Hi there. Before we get started with this episode, I need to clarify one little thing. You're going to hear me talk about health anxiety as a possible subtype of OCD. And this is because many of the clinicians that I deal with on a regular basis, see health anxiety as an OCD type disorder, and treat it in much the same way that they will treat other subtypes of OCD. However, officially in the DSM five, health anxiety is not classified as an OCD subtype. It's listed as an somatic symptom disorder, or a illness anxiety disorder. So it is not officially a subtype of OCD. I wanted to put that out there because I know for some people the labels really matter. So when you're listening, please keep that in mind. All right, let's get going. All right, let's talk about health anxiety, dudes and dudettes. Welcome back to The Anxious Truth. This is podcast episode number 149, 149. Thanks for coming back and hanging out this week. I always appreciate your time and attention. So today we're going to talk about health anxiety. This is a topic that people have been asking me to talk about more and more lately, and I've become more and more interested in lately. If you'd asked me a year ago, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to get into that. But actually, I do want to get into that. And that's what we're going to do today. For those of you who came last week and listened to the GAD, the Generalized Anxiety Disorder episode, wow, thank you. Like that episode clearly was probably the most popular one that I've ever done in the entire six years of this podcast, because it was the fastest episode to 5,000 listens. It took less than 24 hours for 5,000 of you to listen, which was amazing. Uh, and just a tremendous amount of feedback and interaction about that topic. So we're going to talk more about that down the road for sure. But today, health anxiety. Uh, health anxiety, also known as hypochondria, hypochondriasis. So it's all the same thing. Those are older words, but uh, health anxiety, hypochondriasis, hypochondria, uh, health OCD, all the same thing, right? So uh, in many circles, and I, I believe in the DSM, I'd have to look this up, but I think in the DSM, health anxiety is actually classified as a subtype of OCD, I believe. Um, but I can check that. Either way, labels are labels, and it's okay. So let's start to talk about one. Of, well, let me touch on a thing first. One of the reasons why I'm talking about this is that when I wrote my book, which is called The Anxious Truth, I'll, talk, I'll tell you about that later. It, it's a, essentially, I wrote a, a course on how to recover from an anxiety disorder. And most of the, the examples and the specifics that I use in the book really focus on panic disorder and agoraphobia. So I get asked all the time, is your book good for GAD? Is your book good for health anxiety? Is your book good for OCD? So yes, I want to fully acknowledge that I did not spend enough time in that book talking about those things, including health anxiety. So I'm actually writing again, and I'm going to write a supplement. I'm writing another book that actually is a companion to The Anxious Truth that focuses specifically on those things. Uh, OCD, GAD, health anxiety, and, and some trauma. We're going to talk about trauma in the new book too. But anyway, so health anxiety does need to be talked about. And people say like, well, I, I don't have panic attacks. I, I have health anxiety. How does this apply to me? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's talk about what health anxiety is not first, and then we'll talk about what it is. And this gets confused quite often. So people who are dealing with things like panic disorder or agoraphobia, where panic and anxiety spikes is, is a regular part of the deal. And that's the big problem for them is the panic itself. They become afraid of their bodies too. So if you are afraid of your anxiety symptoms, right? So when you experience high anxiety, fear, anxiety spikes, panic, and your body starts throwing symptoms at you, being afraid of those things because they represent some danger or some potential catastrophe is super common. That's just kind of part of the deal. 
but that's not health anxiety. So if you're afraid of your anxiety symptoms because you think that they mean some immediate danger right now, I'm going to have a heart attack, I might have a stroke, or it means I'm going to have a psychotic break or something like that, that's super common. So if you're afraid of your anxiety symptoms, that's that's to be expected, but it is that's not health anxiety, right? So it's a fine line, but a lot of people get confused. So people with panic disorder will start to say like, oh, I think I have health anxiety too because I'm afraid of my heartbeat. But you're just afraid of your heartbeat in the context of it's an anxiety symptom and you think it means something is wrong right now. Whereas with health anxiety, health anxiety is actually an obsession with your health. That is one of the reasons why I guess it's classified as an OCD subtype is it is an obsession and your obsession becomes your health. Not always your health, could be the health of a loved one, a family member, a partner, even pets. I've known people who've had obsessions about the health of their pets. So you wind up with an obsession about your health in general. And that sort of floats around a little bit. People with health anxiety on the long term will be afraid of one particular disease, for instance, maybe for a while you're afraid or convinced that you're going to get cancer. And all of your, your obsession is on that and your compulsions are based on looking for signs of cancer, symptoms of cancer, early warning signs of cancer. You're Googling, you're, you're checking the internet, you're asking around, you're reading stories and articles about cancer. But then over time, for some reason, the cancer, be, the cancer fear begins to fade and then you start to worry that you're going to get a specific type of cancer. And then you might worry that you're going to get HIV. And then, you know, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. It's March 2021. So if you're listening years down the road, hey, remember COVID? So we're still in the middle of that right now, or hopefully we're in the tail end of that, I hope. But, uh, you know, a lot of people with health anxiety have latched onto COVID-19. They're afraid they're going to get COVID-19. So health anxiety is a, an obsession with your health and a worry about, a continuous obsessive worry about getting ill. Getting ill, what's going to happen if you get sick, how do you feel when you get sick? So there's kind of a short-term and near-term health anxiety, which is even if I get a cold or I get the flu or I get an ear infection or a science whatever, a sinus infection or I have a stomach virus for a few days, that's a disaster. People with health anxiety cannot tolerate being ill in any way, right? It'll set off waves of anxiety and panic if they start to feel ill, even though they are aware that it's as, oh, I have the flu now or I have just a stomach virus and it's going to go away in two days doesn't matter. It'll make them incredibly anxious. So they don't want to be ill, you know, like garden variety ill, but they will also worry about these bigger health problems, either incapacitating diseases, chronic illnesses, degenerative diseases, and that target will slide over time. I used to be afraid of cancer, now I'm afraid of HIV, then I'm afraid of COVID, then I'm afraid of leukemia, then I'm afraid of going blind, then I'm afraid of Alzheimer's and dementia. So somebody with health anxiety will usually find that their, their target starts to you know, float around over time. But nonetheless, it is an obsession with health. The obsession is health. I'm worried about if I'm healthy today, will I get sick over the next couple of days and have to deal with that? Or am I going and or am I going to develop some very serious life threatening or life changing disease over time? So that's the obsession. The obsession is about your health, right? And when you have an obsession, that obsession is then driven by compulsions and the compulsions with health anxiety involve checking, right? So checking your body, how am I feeling now? Not the same as somebody with panic attacks does, or, an or agoraphobic does. Checking, 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 like any new, are there any new marks on my skin today? Does my hair look any different? Are my eyes cloudy today? Let me look at my tongue every day just to see because I hear that like, you know, if your tongue changes color, that's an indicator of disease. So people with health anxiety will start to become compulsive researchers and checkers, scanners, 
looking for changes in their body, looking for new symptoms, looking for aches and pains, looking for changes in the way their bodies are functioning or feeling, because they are afraid that those are indicators of some pending illness or some major disease that's developing and needs to be addressed. Another common compulsion that comes along with that health obsession is reassurance seeking. And that happens overtly in the form of let me go on the internet and, and check WebMD, let me Google my symptoms, let me read everything I can about HIV and how it's transmitted, how I can protect myself, whatever the particular you know, obsession is at the time, whether it's cancer or something like that. So uh, the reassurance seeking comes in the form of research, excessive research, it could come in the form of seeking medical attention all the time, all the time, every little thing that pops up, you got to go see a doctor doctor says it's fine. But maybe the doctor missed something. Got to go back and see the doctor again. Yeah, but doctors make mistakes. Let me see another doctor. Let me go to a specialist. So a lot of times the reassurance seeking literally comes in the form of seeking out medical attention, because of what I'm afraid this thing means or might mean down the road. So I'm not sick today. But I'm afraid of that I might get sick. And I'm going to hope that some doctor, some specialist, a nurse practitioner, whoever, if I see enough of them, will tell me, oh, yeah, this is a symptom of this, and we can fix it like that. So it's reassurance seeking, seeking of certainty about your health. And there's also the kind of social or covert, sneaky sometimes reassurance seeking to soothe that obsession about the health by asking partners, family, friends, loved ones, internet forums, your Facebook group, your friends on social media, talking about your symptoms, comparing your symptoms, comparing your fears, talking about an article you read, or did anybody see that thing on, on the Today Show about the woman that developed, you know, some crazy rare disease that there's no cure for? Talking about it, speaking your fear out loud so that other people will share in the fear or at least know your fear and be able to sort of help save you if need be or will soothe you by saying, oh, I had that too and it wasn't so bad or it turned out to be nothing. So there's a tremendous amount of, of checking and scanning like protection seeking, the more I know about the thing I am afraid at, the more I'm afraid of, the more I'm on guard against it, the safer I will be against this fear, this obsessive fear about my health, and reassurance seeking from doctors, from research, air quotes, research sources, right? And from others, from other people, often other health anxiety sufferers. So anybody who's ever been in a health anxiety support group on Facebook will know what I'm talking about here. It is you could watch medical dramas on TV, or you could just go into a health anxiety Facebook group. The health anxiety Facebook group is way more grotesque and way more triggering, even though you guys know I hate the word trigger. But yeah, it's all about, I'm afraid of this today. I'm afraid of that today. I'm afraid of this today. What are you afraid of today? Well, what's your new health fear? So that's what health anxiety is all about. Health anxiety is an obsession about your health or the health of a loved one, a family member, a partner, or the health of a pet, somebody important to you. And it drives these compulsions, these checking and safety reassurance seeking compulsions. And here's the deal. So just the same way that somebody you hear me talk about people that have panic attacks all the time, right? Because that's usually the focus of what I'm talking about. But the point of this podcast and the point of the book that I'm writing is that the same principles of recovery apply, they apply to health anxiety as well. So when people with health anxiety ask me, well, I don't you know, what's my exposure? How do how does what you say? Does it does this matter to me? Does this work for me? Will it work for my health anxiety, terrible health anxiety? The answer is yes. And the reason why the answer is yes is because the principles of recovery for most anxiety disorders are the same. You must intentionally stand in that discomfort and that fear, the uncertainty, the vulnerability. 
you know, the anxiety, the panic, the fear, you have to stand in it to learn experientially that you can tolerate that and that the perceived threat is not real. So that's the same principles are the principles are the same. And I'm going to get away around very shortly to how you'd apply that in the, in the health anxiety. But the short answer is you apply it in reverse. So even though a somebody with panic disorder or agoraphobia has to start doing specific things in order to, to address their disorder, you have to stop doing certain things. And so you create your discomfort when you stop doing things, whereas somebody who's having panic attacks creates their intentional discomfort by doing things that trigger panic, right? So here's the deal, though, with health anxiety. It is very resistant to, I mean, all the anxiety disorders are resistant to logic, right? So you cannot logic your way out of these things. So if you're dealing with health anxiety, and you have for any amount of time, you know that it's not right, you know, logically, intellectually, from a rational standpoint, your fear is irrational. But what fuels health anxiety is the the fact that there is never a 100% guarantee that you won't be sick. So the reality of the universe is that any human being that is walking the planet today has a non-zero chance of being ill or having some disease. None of us has a 100% ironclad guarantee that we won't get cancer. You know, like uh, my odds of contracting HIV are incredibly low, but they're not zero. They're just not. So no human being has a 0% chance of being ill. None. So really, the problem here is that health anxiety will latch on to that the non zero thing. You know, so somebody with health anxiety just wants they're desperate to bring the odds that they will get ill or, or contract a disease that they're afraid of to zero. They are trying desperately all the time, the researching, the reassurance seeking, the checking, the scanning, the doctor visits, the Googling. It is all designed to try and bring the odds of becoming ill to zero. And you can never get there. No human being has a 0% chance of becoming ill. We get colds, we get the flu, we get ear infections, we get stomach viruses, we break bones, we get injured. So we get bad diseases or heart disease, you know, we have heart disease, we have People wind up with Alzheimer's and dementia and people wind up with cancer and HIV and people have gotten COVID for the last year now. Like that is the lot that is true. That's true. So if you're listening to me when you have health anxiety, you're like, oh man, you might be freaking out right now. Like, Drew, aren't you supposed to be telling me that it's going to be okay? Well, it is going to be okay. It is going to be okay. We're going to get to that. But the reality is what makes health anxiety sometimes so insidious is that the acknowledgement that it is true. None of us has a 100% guarantee that we will remain healthy at all times. I could be, I could get sick tomorrow. I don't know. It's possible. Maybe. Right. And so when you start to talk to somebody with health anxiety who wants help, the first resistance that you that you encounter is somebody will say, Yeah, but you, you but it could really happen. And if I don't check this thing, if I don't check my skin every day, then I might actually develop something on my skin. And if I don't check that, that could become a melanoma. And, and then if a doctor doesn't catch it fast enough, that could become, you know, advanced cancer, and then I could die. And the answer to that is, yeah, that's true. That is true. But, you, you know, everything in life, most of life is unknowable, uncertain, unsolvable. Most of life is. Right. So and we are bathing in that all day long from the minute we're born to the minute that we die, we are bathing in uncertainty, unknowability and unsolvability. And you are tolerating that. If you're a health anxiety sufferer, you are tolerating that in, in very large chunks of your life. You just are. 
So we were doing one of our clubhouse Instagram live chats a couple of weeks ago, and, and my, Josh Fletcher brought that up. He said, if you get in a car every, any, day, any particular day, you are, you are tolerating a tremendous amount of uncertainty when you get in a car. I mean, the odds are much higher that you're going to get in a car accident than you're going to get HIV, much higher. I mean, you know, your lifestyle enters into that and that sort of stuff, of course. But the odds are much higher that you will be injured in an automobile accident than you will get the disease that you are worried that you're going to get. Or that you'll contract a stomach virus and some horrible fate will result from this run-of-the-mill stomach virus. So you're okay with accepting that. We invest in the stock market. Like we put our retirement money in a stock market. We bet on sporting events. We do these things all the time. We are bathing in, in, in uncertainty and unknowability all the time. You're okay with that, but you have now fixated on your health where the, that uncertainty and unknowability is unacceptable to you when your health is concerned. So here is news. The reason why health anxiety can be so, such a difficult nut to crack, not uncrackable. A lot of people get over health anxiety. Many, many do, and I'm going to talk about that. But the reason, one of the things that makes it such a difficult nut to crack is, is that health anxiety is really not, has nothing to do with your health. So here's news. Health anxiety has nothing to do with cancer, HIV, COVID, stomach viruses, vomiting. It has nothing to do with that at all. Health anxiety is a disorder of uncertainty intolerance. Keep this in mind. Your problem is that you are looking for a 0% chance. You are trying to drive the odds of becoming ill to zero. And you can't because that's impossible. And you can't, you have decided you will not tolerate that. And you will continue to try to get to zero and be frustrated and be anxious and afraid and, and consumed with this. Because even though you know that you can't get the odds to zero, you're going to keep trying. So health anxiety is an uncertainty intolerance disorder. That's what health anxiety is. I, I am unwilling to tolerate the uncertainty surrounding my health. I'll be uncertain about a lot of things in life, but not my health. And if you try to point out the logic in my, the flaws in my logic related to my health, says the health anxiety sufferer, I will come back to you initially and say, yeah, but, you know, the odds are that I could, I could possibly get sick. So, for instance, a 29-year-old a who is active with a healthy diet, has no markers for any kind of disease, is experiencing no impairment, no symptoms, runs, a, you know, three miles every day, you know, does resistance training, eats, eats great, does stress management, super healthy, the picture of, of modern health, who is gripped with health anxiety, will magnify their chances that when they see the world and they, they examine their health, they see it through a distorted lens. So like anything else, they see it as in a distorted lens that says, since the odds of getting sick are not zero, they're greater than zero, it is possible that I will get sick. I am going to take whatever those odds are. And statistically speaking, that person may only have a 8.2% chance of having some sort of health problem in the next six months. But since 8.2% is not zero, that gets magnified to 80% through the lens of of irrational fear and obsessional fear, which is what health anxiety is, right? So when you are, when you are assessing the threat to your health, you are assessing it in a distorted, magnified, irrational way. And it's really hard to get somebody with health anxiety to accept that. Like, yes, you are correct. I cannot absolutely guarantee you that you are, have a 0% chance of getting ill. I cannot guarantee you that you will not get ill. And that happens when people seek medical reassurance. I go to a doctor and the doctor tells you, you're okay today. 
But then you get home, you're fine, and then you get home, and the next day you're thinking, well, either he or she forgot something, or what about tomorrow? What about next week? What if it's something that, he, that they can't see yet? Right? So, again, all that uncertainty will, will creep back in and get magnified by your fear and distorted beyond all logical recognition or reality. And so when, you, when you're going to do that, the first obstacle with some, for somebody with health anxiety is you have to have a bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting with yourself and say, okay, the, I understand that since the odds of me getting cancer, for instance, are more than zero, right? They are more than zero for all of us. Anybody walking the planet can't have 0% odds of getting sick. Since they're more than zero, then this is actually dangerous. And all of my rumination and my checking and my compulsions and my reassurance seeking and my checking my symptoms, that's all warranted. So I've had people say that to me. Like, okay, Drew, I get it. Like, okay, that's fine. I know. I know this is, I'm very afraid of this. But it's, that's dangerous. What you're telling me to do is, is actually dangerous. So you will, if you have health anxiety, and you hear me talk, tell somebody with panic disorder that they have to do the things that induce panic and stand in the panic, you'd be like, yeah, that. Yeah, go do that, man. You could do that, and you'll root for your friend with panic disorder. But when you hear me say to you the way out of your health anxiety is to accept that your fear is irrational and to stop doing all those safety-seeking behaviors, you will say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, well, it's the same exact mechanism because the person with panic disorder takes the odds of disaster because of a panic attack, which are damn close to zero, but I guess technically not zero, and magnifies it so that they are sure that that panic attack is literally the end of the world. You know it's not, or you know that that person is exaggerating. You understand that that's an exaggerated, distorted view of a panic attack. But when it comes to your health or the health of your, your, your kids or your grandchildren or your partner, whoever's important to you, then the distortion, oh, no, that's justified. So do you see the logic error here? You are convinced that what they are doing is illogical, but what you are doing is perfectly okay. Maybe not perfectly okay. You know that's a problem. But that's the first obstacle. Somebody with health anxiety has to accept that, like, oh, okay, hang on, I, I get it here. I see what you're doing. It would, what you're going to tell me to do, and we're going to go through that now, what you're going to tell me to do seems ridiculous because it seems incredibly dangerous, Drew, for me not to go to the doctor. I could really have an early form of cancer. And if I don't check it, I could wind up dying. That's incredibly dangerous. I, I can't do that. But the first thing you're going to have to do is say, oh, you know why I'm saying that? Because I am magnifying the threat. I am, I'm refusing to accept anything less than 0% odds, and then therefore I am magnifying anything that's more than 0, 1,000%. You have to understand that. So what do you do? Somebody with health anxiety will say, okay, then what's my plan, Drew? You tell me to make a recovery plan. What's my exposure? What's my exposure for health anxiety? Well, there's a couple of ways you could do that. The primary thing that you're really going to do is you have to sit down and say, okay, what are the things that I do when I get afraid that I have cancer? What are the, th that I, when I get afraid that I'm going to get a stomach virus? What are the, uh, the things that I do when I'm afraid of my health, when I'm worried about my health? What, what things do I engage in? What checking behaviors? What reassurance seeking do I do? Who do I call? Do I keep speaking my fear? I want to tell everybody my symptoms. You know, I'm looking for all that stuff. What do I do? Write it all down. These are all the things that I do to try and make myself feel better and try and get to the magical 0% chance of getting sick. And then you have to stop doing those things. You have to start attacking those, those reassurance-seeking compulsions, those safety-seeking compulsions, and you have to start resisting them one by one by one by one. First stop, I'm not going to Google today. Or I'm not going to Google for the next hour. You can start with that. I'm not going to Google for the next 15 minutes. You can start as small as you need to. That's your exposure. 
Your exposure is that, not doing. So earlier on in the episode, I said, while somebody with panic disorder or agoraphobia has to do things to induce the discomfort we need to learn from, you have to not do things. So you have to stop doing all that reassurance and safety behavior. You have to, you have to resist those health-related compulsions. And that will induce tremendous discomfort in you. So when you want so desperately to search the internet for pictures of that little blotch on your skin to see what it looks like, you know, how does and compare yours to the pictures you see online, and you don't do that, you say, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that for an hour. That hour is really difficult because your fear, that anxiety, that disorder, the disordered anxiety, the disordered thinking will tell you you are literally inviting death if you don't Google right now. And so that will make you incredibly uncomfortable. But that's kind of part of the deal. We are going to go into discomfort and allow it to be there to learn experientially that, oh, I can tolerate this. I made it through that hour and I'm still here. I made it through that hour and I'm still here. I made it through another hour and I'm still here. I didn't Google my symptoms today. I didn't go to my Facebook group and tell everybody what I'm afraid of today so that they can soothe me and give me reassurance. That is never enough. I did not make another doctor appointment today. I did not even think about the doctor today. I pushed that aside. I deleted my doctor's number from my phone today. Like those are the things that you will do. There's a zillion examples. I can't give you all the examples in a podcast episode, but you understand. You have to, you have to look at all the, the evasive and defensive maneuvers that you have in place to keep yourself safe from a health perspective, and you have to stop doing those. The other thing that you can do is you can actually do a few things too. So some people will watch medical shows. Medical dramas, hospital, like ER and shows like that, you know, where you're literally watching that sort of stuff or Discovery Channel or whatever, you know, you can go on YouTube and watch people have medical procedures. So there are ways to do that, too, where you can intentionally start to expose yourself to the things that you fear. So no, you can't intentionally get HIV, but you can you can watch a documentary about HIV. But you have to know that this is going to make me so when you do that, though, that's kind of ERP esque, right? So when you do that sort of stuff, which is good, you can do that. I'm going to watch five minutes of a documentary about HIV today. But when you do that, you cannot finish the documentary, the five minutes of documentary, be all worked up and then go hit the internet and start Googling and talking to people about HIV and trying to convince yourself that you won't get it. You're going to watch five minutes of the documentary to make yourself uncomfortable and you're going to sit and tolerate that. Oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. So here is kind of the secret sauce, though, because people with health anxiety will say, okay, fine, but like a person that has a panic attack, you tell them to just, you know, get through it and accept it and it'll be over. It's over in 15, 20, even a half hour. If it takes them a half hour, whatever, but it's going to end. But if I do that today with my fear of cancer or my fear of COVID, that's today. I might still have it tomorrow or it might take me six years to discover that I don't have cancer. And then even when I get to year six, the clock could start again and I could have another six year developing cancer. So I'll never get over it. That's not true. That's not true. Because the single biggest misconception that, you, that people have about, you know, overcoming health anxiety is that they will use all these magical recovery tools that me and people like me talk about and that they will come to a place where they are convinced that, oh, that thought was so crazy, I'm not going to get cancer. They think that that's the end goal and that is not. It's not. So you're not, you don't have to play a six-year waiting game with melanoma to convince yourself that you don't have it. What your goal is, is to learn that you can tolerate the built-in health uncertainty that comes with being alive on planet Earth. So when you begin to tolerate uncertainty for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, two hours a day, you keep getting longer and longer, and you keep practicing that, and you always come out standing, 
your kids st still got off to school, you still went to work, right? You still paid the bills. You still went out to dinner with your partner. You still had a birthday party for your kid. Like life still went on, even though you, you weren't comfortable for a little bit of time. You learn, oh, okay. You What you learn is that, oh, I was magnifying that threat. I don't have to be on guard about this all the time. You don't learn that it's you're now certain that you won't get sick. That's not how you resolve health anxiety. You resolve health anxiety by learning that, oh, yeah, I can live in the same health uncertainty that every other human does, and I can, I can deal with that. So that is how this works. With health anxiety, you are going to learn to not do things. You have to stop all your checking and safety assurance seeking, reassurance seeking stuff. You have to stop visiting doctors. You have to stop doing all of those things. And then that will make you super uncomfortable, but you have to tolerate that discomfort for longer and longer amounts of time. That's how you do it. You change health anxiety a minute at a time. You don't decide today to just change everything. I'm going to stop doing everything today, and that's it. For the rest of my life, I will never Google a symptom. That's not realistic. You're going to Google another symptom. I guarantee you're going to do it. You might not make it past 10 minutes before you do it. It's okay. It's okay. It's an incremental thing. You do it step by step, and you get better at it as you go, and you learn to build resiliency, flexibility, and a tolerance of the uncertainty that is life. Like you start to learn, basically what's happening here is you have put yourself in a, in a special little prism where concerns about your health are not, no, not realistic. They're magnified beyond what all the other 6 billion of us have. We all have concerns about our health, but yours have been irrationally magnified. So when you conquer your health anxiety, you're breaking yourself out of that distortion, that prism, that distortion prism. And now you can see the threat the same way we do. Oh, Okay. It's there, but it's a small threat, and there are things I can actually do to try and stay healthy, but I don't have to let that rule my life. That is the end goal when you're dealing, dealing with health anxiety. But you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to do things that are scary for you. So that's why when people say, does this work? Does your book work for health anxiety? It does. But you're going to have to intentionally do hard work and scary things all the time in order to break yourself out of that, that irrational fear and to learn how to deal with it when it pops up, okay? And like more accurately assess the threats to your health and tolerate the uncertainty that we all live in every day. That is the goal, and that is how you deal with health anxiety. That's how you do it, right? So I don't know what else I can tell you about this. Some, uh, some people will, all, will often say uh, that the issue with health anxiety too is that there are so many different threats. They keep new things keep coming up. And the answer to that is like, yeah, that new things do keep coming up. That's correct. But, but the, the deal here is you don't have to learn how to not be afraid of cancer and then learn to not be afraid of leukemia and then learn to not be afraid of COVID and then learn not to be afraid of stomach virus. When you learn one thing, you kind of learn it all. And yeah, it's a, it's a refining process over time and it might take you a long time to get there. But you don't have to keep learning how to deal with 8 zillion new health threats. You don't. That's not, that's not a thing. You have to worry about that. Just the same way that the agoraphobic doesn't have to learn to go to the supermarket, the mall, the school, vacation, a cruise, a flight. When you learn one thing, it, it goes on to the other. It all kind of starts to meld together. So that is health anxiety in a nutshell. Does, does this stuff work for health anxiety? It does. You just have to know that you're not doing things. You're going to practice not doing things, and you're going to learn to tolerate the discomfort that happens when you stop doing things. And your plan is to sit down 
and and sit sit there and actually have a little you know be honest with yourself and these are all the things that I do to try and keep myself safe from my health fear now I'm gonna have to start resisting them one by one by one by one that's your plan and those are your exposures and when you start to understand the principles of that then you could start to add things like I'm gonna listen to medical podcasts or I'm gonna watch medical documentaries and you could do you could use those tools also some people have to do that some people don't it's, it's different and, you know, in terms of getting professional help for this, yes, always a good idea. You know, and again, a therapist that specializes in treating anxiety disorders, really an OCD specialist is probably the best suited to, to help you with your health anxiety because it really is a form of OCD and you're, you're learning to resist compulsions. So the principles of ERP really, reply, really apply there. Anyway, that is the deal with health anxiety. Hopefully I've answered all your questions. Uh, we'll talk about it more for sure going forward. I'm going to start to play you a little Afterglow, which is the outro music here by my buddy Ben Drake. You can find Ben at face. Uh, no, he has a shiny new website. You just go to bendrakemusic.com if you want to find Ben. That's, the song is called Afterglow, and I always thank Ben for letting me use it. It's great. Um, check out my book. So does, it, does your book work for health anxiety? Yes, and the book is called The Anxious Truth, A Step-by-Step Guide to Understanding and Overcoming Panic, Anxiety, and Agoraphobia. You can find it on my website at theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. Check it out. You can get a free sample. Chapter one is downloadable for as a PDF or an MP3, whatever you decide. And you can check it out there. All the places to buy it are there. If you are reading the book and you are digging it, maybe take a minute and write me a review on Amazon. That would be greatly appreciated. And as always, if you are listening to the podcast on a platform like iTunes that lets you rate and review, take a second to leave a five-star review because the podcast is so worthy of five stars. <laughs> anyway, leave a review and then take a second and write a little review and a, and a rating because it helps other people find the podcast and if you're getting help from it they might get help from it too and that's why i do this all right guys thanks for coming by hope this has been helpful i will see you next week i don't know what next week's episode is i gotta look but uh, keep at it keep working at it step by step little by little remember this is the way no looking back or dwelling on the past you know you'll never get another chance to go and live your life like an atom bomb you keep on dancing like it's your last song makes no difference if you're right or wrong